Welcome to Conversations, and I am so excited. I have a fellow Italian with me today. I have Sarah Truppo, (laughs) and Sarah is part of the Messenger team. She is an incredible asset. She has been in so many different areas, and I'm going to let her tell you about why she's amazing. So, Sarah, tell tell us what you've done, because you've kind of had the wide range of things. Well, sure. Well, first of all, it's an honor for me to be on here with you. I remember a few years ago being in Australia and watching you preach and thinking, man, that amazing woman. So it's an honor to be with you. So thank you. Um, But yeah, I've lived kind of an unconventional uh, life. I've done a lot of different things before I came to Messenger. Um, I was working in politics. And then after that, I started a business. And now I kind of split my time between the ministry and the marketplace worlds. And so it's actually been... You mean you can do that? <laughs> you can. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, for everyone listening, you, you don't have to be in one place full time. You can kind of split your worlds up. But, you know, I think for me, I've just kind of seen um, a little bit in all kinds of spheres. I've worked in seven different industries. I've had 15 different jobs, lived with 31 roommates. And, and she's <laughs> not 50. How old are you, Sarah? I'm only 31, <laughs> about to be 32 next week. Whoa. So, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So that's just a little bit of my background, but very pleased to be here today. Yeah. So I could have birthed you. You're the same age as my firstborn. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, you know, I've had Sarah on because we're talking about the book, Adamant finding truth in a universe of opinions. And this is our first time we've actually just really focused in on this topic and with like, what is adamant and what is truth and what is what's a, the message? Yes, exactly. Right? And, um, you know, I want, you know, I, I think that we, we all know that we live in a day and a time where right is called wrong, uh, mm-hmm. up is called down, red is called blue. People, people don't know there's no sacred boundaries. There's no solid footing in our culture. And mm-hmm. I think people are, you know, there's there's just this desperate need for a sense of permanence and direction. And people people don't like absolutes, but they also don't want to build houses on rivers. So right. unless it's a riverboat, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think you're right. And it's such a timely word because, I mean, the millennial generation, the younger generations, we are you know, more connected than ever. We have access to the internet, which happened in our lifetimes. We have smartphones in our pockets. We have infinite resources, and yet people feel more untethered, more confused, more lost than ever before. And we're looking around going, well, we don't know who to trust. We don't know who to believe. And so I think one of the things that really stood out to me that this book addresses is just that universe of opinions. Could you kind of talk a little bit about how we identify truth in a culture where emotion and empathy are being prized even more highly than the truth is? Yeah. And see, and part of this is, is our big challenge. And this is, this is a challenge that has, it's going to hang on the millennials. And, and I, yet Mm -hmm. I think that they're up for it. Right. So we've had a generation that has preached truth without love. Mm-hmm. And when you preach truth without love, it's harsh. And then we've had love without truth, which is a lie. Right. <laughs> so it's like an just, overcorrection. We just, yeah. we just need to say what it is. Yes. And so we've kind of had this dynamic where, where we've, we've reacted and we have, uh, we, you know, we, people are saying, oh, God's harsh. This is, you know, Christianity is mean or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that 80% of the millennials are leaving the churches are saying that they don't like the way they're handling same sex. They don't like the mm-hmm. way they're handling same sex attraction, you know, whether it's marriage, whatever it is, they don't like what they perceive to be not loving. So I do think we need to say, are we loving well? And, mm-hmm. and we're probably not. And so, yep. so we've got a generation that said, okay, we're going to say love is God. 
instead of God is love. Right. And, and they're bowing at that. And so their experience, their feelings about something, their friends' feelings about something has been their orientation rather than the word of God. And I think that, you know, a lot of times we'll feel at drift, even, even though we think that, oh, yeah, I want everybody to be happy and included, which who wouldn't? Who, who wants people course, sad yeah. and, and excluded? But when we don't actually make God's standard the standard, we are all set adrift. And yeah. I think we have a whole generation right now that is uh, given the right to have opinions, which we all have the right to have opinions, but not necessarily should we receive all opinions as though they were truth. And right. there's a difference. An opinion is something that can change. I can have an opinion and 15 minutes later change my opinion. And that's not a conviction, right? You but know? truth is different. Right. Yes, truth is eternal. Mm-hmm. It is a standard. It is an absolute. It's something that we live off. And I think right now we have uh, people that say, this is my truth and this is my truth. And your truth is a different truth. I think we valued love so much at the exclusion of truth. You know, I loved in your book, you said God is love, but love is not God. And I think in the era of all of these hashtag, you know, campaigns and things like that, it can be very confusing to know, you know, well, who do I trust? Where do I, I mean, for me, I'm talking to my girlfriends over coffee and we're like, I read this on this blog and then I'm hearing this at church and my parents said that. And so and it's the just, news channel says the news this, channel says Twitter this. Says. And it's just like you said, that universe of opinions. And so, um, I'd love if you could just talk a little bit about the difference between kind of being popular and influential. Yes. You know, well, Stepping back a teeny bit, there's there's been such an opportunity for people that who maybe have no connection and no accountability mm-hmm. to have huge voice. Mm-hmm. And with right. social media, people can just do whatever they want, say whatever they say. Something can just take fire and just go. It can go viral in, in just a second just because people would want to be involved in something. And so I actually was watching something happen. There was uh, there was some a conversation. It's a conversation. I'm going to just say it needs to happen. It was talking about what women hear about themselves in the church, and it was this whole invitation to tell me basically all the horrible, stupid things you've ever heard uh, as a woman in the church. And wow. and it went viral. And uh, so many people had bad experiences. So many people had been hurt. And um, I reached out to the person that had kind of initiated this conversation. I said, I love your heart for God's daughters, but I really feel like this is making the church look bad. Right. And these are people that are, there's a lot Keep of it people in the family. watching. Yeah. Exactly. And so I said, you know, you know, I feel like, and she said, well, it went viral. And, and so I hung up the phone and God said to me, sometimes when something goes viral, people are not being influenced or being infected. Mm, and he said, Lisa, so you're going to have to decide now whether you want to be popular or whether you want to be influential. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to be influential. And he said, look up the meanings of the words. And when I looked up the meaning of the word popular, I was actually really surprised. Uh, You know, I wasn't surprised about the trendy, Mm -hmm. but it said common. It Mm. said common, generally held belief. And I thought, wait a minute. I'm not called to be common and I'm not called to live according to the general opinions of this earth. I'm actually (laughs) supposed to be called to live to a eternal standard that I could actually never walk in outside of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and the empowerment of his spirit. And then influential, when you look up the meaning Mm -hmm. of that word, it means powerful. And so we have to decide as women, do we want to be powerful or do we want to be popular? That's you know, so good. And I want to be. I want to be powerful. I, and sometimes when you're influential, mm-hmm. you're not popular. Mm. And so sometimes you are. It's hard to do the dance of both. But I think that we. That's a question in front of our generation. 
Influence always will tie itself to truth. Popularity will try itself to trend. And we need to be able to distinguish between the two. That's so good. I think one of the things that I also really took from your book was in in this message, really, because I really feel like behind this book is this movement of women standing firm. Um, And I think that that's what we're trying. That's what you're calling everybody together to say, hey, I felt like this was the season for this to be released because we have at this generation, we have kind of the blending of generations. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what is your vision for how we stand on the truth? Um, You know, you said in your book, truth is a rock, not a river. What does that mean? Well, interestingly enough, and again, I almost have to go back to explain why I would even name a book Adamant. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like why? What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? So a long time ago, Sarah, when I was writing another one of my books, I actually had an experience where somebody sent me a prophetic word that, that used the word Adamant five times. And I took it at that moment to not back down on the way the tone of the book was being stewarded. Mm -hmm. And so that was back in 2005. I never found out the person's name. Mm -hmm. I never found out where they lived or anything like that. And then what happened was in 2016, I just was doing all these women's conferences and everything was diamond, diamond, I'm a diamond. You're and like, I, I was, I was having a little bit of an attitude about it. I was like, there's refugees. We're strong Italian trafficking. William, you know, I know like, I'm like, God, don't you tell gotta, me I'm a diamond. Yeah, you you, you got to tell me how to love these women because yes. I'm getting annoyed with them right yes. now. And I was back in my room and, and the Holy Spirit reminded me and he said, you used to love it when I called you my diamond, my adamant. And then I remembered, and so I pulled out the prophecy, and I began to research the word adamant. And here's what I discovered, that adamant, long before it was an adjective or an adverb, it was actually a dream. It was actually a noun. Greek philosophers and scientists, they said, we believe there's a stone that is invincible. It's impervious to heat. Mm-hmm. It will be able to attract light and redirect it. It will actually, you can put it in a fire and pick it up. It'll be cold. And it would be something we could make you know, tools out of and weapons so out of. it was of. mythical. Yes, it was mythical. It's kind of like the philosopher's stone. This right. was the adamant stone. Okay. And they called it Adamus. Never found it. And anyway, they, but it was such a compelling idea that they just kept talking about this adamant, this stone, this, you know, rock or this ore or this mineral. And it traveled to Great Britain and it came, went from Adamus to adamant. And when they discovered diamonds, they thought a diamond is an adamant. There's no other stone that's woven so tightly. There's no other stone that is so strong. But in the 1700s, they discovered that diamonds vaporize. If they're put under enough light and put in a vacuum, they're like, okay, Uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to ever find an adamant. It's not a diamond. We're right. going to disassociate the word from a noun and make it an adjective or an adverb to mean unyielding in stance or opinion. And so when I began to read all this, I started to think, what would compel somebody to look for a rock they had never seen? Hmm. What would, and I thought, did yeah. God maybe seed them with that? Yeah, plant something. And then I thought, wait a minute. What about Daniel? What about when he's interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream? And he said, you saw a rock king that was not carved by hands. And that rock hit this statue that represents the kingdoms. And this everything turned into chaff. Then this rock grew into a mountain. And the mountain filled the whole earth. And I went, wait a minute. Jesus is the adamant. He is that invincible stone. He is that cornerstone that was not made by earthly hands. He is that impervious, invincible, unchanging, constant in our lives. And then I went into Corinthians where it says that that rock that followed them through the wilderness, and it said, which was Christ. I'm like, wait a minute. 
There right. was literally a rock that followed I know them. when you told me that, I it's was like, crazy. I never noticed that in scripture. I called my I, rabbi friends. I'm like, help me with this. Right. And he said, it just rolled up behind him. And, but when you look up the Hebrew meaning of that word, it means an unassailable refuge. Mm. And so truth is our refuge. Right. It is our adamant. It is what we can stand on. It is what lasts. And here's the thing. God doesn't have something that is his truth. God is truth. Right. God is love. God is also a consuming fire. And so God wants to consume everything that undermines truth because everything that undermines truth undermines love. Right. And so when I began to, to look at this, I just saw how God was adamant in love with us. Like number one, God's love for us is invincible. It doesn't matter how many times I push him away. It doesn't matter how awful I am. His love for me is constant, everlasting, invincible. He's also adamant that I love other people as I have been loved. That's a, that's the hard pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Not as they love me. Easier to do yes. as, yeah. you, as I have loved you, you love others. And then he's also, and this was the shocking thing to me, Sarah, he's also adamant in hate. I would love for you to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's the that scary really one. Was controversial to me. I was that like, whoa. A, yeah, you know, well, and, and like when when I finished up writing the the adamantly constant, adamantly intimate, adamant that we love, adamant in love towards us, I closed my laptop and I heard, and I am yet I'm also adamant in hate. And I was like, wait, God, like, you are love. You're like, wait, is that God? Is yeah, I was like, wait. <laughs> so I got home. I, I you know rode my bike. I was we we had eleven people crammed in the house that probably should only have. By five. the way, that's awesome. You ride a bike. Like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> rode a bike, <laughs> rode a bike down the street, came back. My my cell phone. My my amazing friend Rabbi Brian had texted me and said, "The Holy Spirit told me you're writing." He said, "Whatever you just touched on today is the reason why an entire generation has been immunized against truth." And I went adamant hate and so he wrote me back and he said shamir and then he also said shamir and he said these he said god says he'll make his forehead like adamant he said it means shamir it means to be like a diamond that god engraves things and i'm like what in the world so i thought okay that's great for a rabbi brian yeah and that might have been a tired end of the day random thought i'm gonna get up tomorrow morning so i got up the next morning and sarah i sat down i said i need you to talk to me and i as fast as i could write it down in my journal i heard I hate what unmakes love. I hate what unmakes those I love. I hate what dis, uh, distorts my image and undermines yours. God hates what, not who, God hates what attacks or undermines or compromises who he loves. And so I started to look with that filter through the Bible and I found over 3000 words in scriptures when I pulled them all together talking about what God hates. He he hates those things that end up making us think he's not a loving father, not a loving husband. He hates like it says I hate divorce. He didn't say I hate divorced people. He said right. I hate divorce and and he says why? He says it overwhelms a woman with cruelty. And because God is a loving father and a loving constant husband, those were the things he was like, I, I can't, I can't be part of that. So yeah, so I began to look that God's hate is always about what he loves. Romans 12, nine says that let your love be genuine. It says abhor or hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And so we want to be those people that understand, you know, that we cannot truly love 
what God loves if we do not truly hate what he hates. And I think that's a, a little bit of a hard pill to swallow for people to realize that. It's a hard pill for me to swallow. Yeah, because <laughs> I, you know, I think we're both those ENFP. Yep. We love, yep. we love people. We love everyone being happy. We want to keep, you know, we want to encourage our friends. We don't want to call them out. But I think that to that point and you know this convicted me yeah and this for me with this writing this book it wasn't about calling anybody else out yeah it's about calling me out right it me, was about exactly. you know what god you know so like for example you know and people seem to get you know I don't know one person that says, I love sex trafficking. I think sex trafficking <laughs> right. is a good industry. Nobody has ever said that to me. Most Christians or even anybody hates sex trafficking. They think it is a violation uh, of, of every human right. So we never have any argument with that. But people don't hate the catalyst of sex trafficking, which is pornography, mm. to the same level that they hate sex trafficking. Right. And if we have a God who has no shadow, then we actually have to say, God, what is what is in shadow form in my life right. that is in a full-blown measure of something you hate? And so, you know, we have to say, all right, I'm, I'm going to hate what God hates. God hates the things that debase humans. Right. He hate makes people feel objectified. God hates when evil is called good. God hates abuse. God hates hypocrisy. God hates pride. Do you know why he hates pride? Because he loves us. Right. And he says, when you're in pride, I have to resist you. I have to actually keep you right. at arm's length. And God's like, I never want that. So I, I hate close. pride. Yeah. Right. You know, C.S. Lewis said it's a spiritual cancer. Pride becomes this thing that ends up eating all the good things in our life and undermining our whole well-being. And so then God is adamant that we are transformed, right. not because he's like, I don't like you the way you are, but he's like, I love you. I need to love you into everything that you, I created you to be. And this whole message is really about saying you don't have to be lost in the universe of opinions. You no. don't have to feel untethered. You, there is truth and truth is a who it's not a, a what, or it's not something that can be changed. It is Jesus. And so when we stake our life on that truth, we don't have to be kind of in the wind just flapping around. And I think that's what people, when they pick up this message, when they, you know, hear from you, when they join the experience, when they kind of jump into this movement of truth, they're saying, you know, I want to be a bold woman or man, you know, and stand on the truth and be anchored to something. Cause I, I think, think a lot of people are afraid to speak truth, right. Sarah, yeah. because we have a culture right now that if you say truth, mm -hmm. people say you hate, right. That you're a bigot yeah. or you're hateful or you're, yeah. you know, and it's hard because you want to, be loving everyone. You don't right. want to come across in a way that, um, you know, is un un unkind, yes. but also we have to tell the truth. Right. And that means we start with ourselves. We live the truth first. And right. that's my hope is that people that get this book are going to begin to live the truth. Right. And because they will live the truth in love, live the truth in love, then they'll be heard when they speak the truth in love. And right. I do think we have a whole generation that is dying for the church to be known for what she's for rather than what she is against. I love that. But yeah. we have to also understand that loving God means we keep his word. You know, Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was the living word. So we, we already said it. Truth is not a what it's a who, mm -hmm. but we see who Jesus is in the scripture. I had a podcast earlier today with Shelly Giglio and she was so cute. She said, God knew we'd forget. So we wrote it all down. <laughs> so it's in the scripture So we can right. remember these things. And so, you know, I am adamant, you know, is that truth is, is Jesus. I'm adamant that the scriptures are the final authority in my life. No matter what I understand, I'm adamant that I am going to be part of that generation that learns how to 
do the truth in love, right. that I can merge both love and truth and not just have truth or just love, but we can merge both of these. And, and we saw Jesus walk that way. Yeah. You know, he walked that middle tension. He didn't fall into either ditch. And so if we're following him, we're going to be able to, I think that's something that I've always felt afraid of is like, oh no, I'm being too unloving or, oh no, I'm, you know, being too truthful, but it's like, following him, he, he directs us. So I would love for you to just kind of share how people can join this Absolutely. movement. I, this is really, I feel like of all your messages, this is, is about we, it's about, mm. you know, us starting with ourselves, but it's about us as a corporate body saying, we're going to fiercely defend the truth, but we're going to love people well. Yeah. And we're going to fiercely live the truth. And, and that's, it, yeah. that's what I think the world is watching for us to live the truth. Well, right. You know, we, we are all going to make mistakes, but we need to stop making excuses and we need to stop pointing the fingers at everybody else and say, I'm going to live the truth. So yeah, I, I'm so excited about this. If they want any more information on the book, adamant, or they want to join the adamant experience, they can check out the I am adamant.com and just go there. We have all sorts of information. We are really believing that this is going to start a movement of women who will be solid and strong, that they will actually understand that, yes, they have been wrapped in the indestructible work of Christ, but they are need to be unmoved because we have a whole generation that's waking up and finding out that they're captive to the lies they told themselves, and we need to have the truth when they wake up. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Conversations with John and Lisa. We want to invite you to check out Lisa's brand new podcast called I Am Adamant. Join her as she hosts top leaders in conversations that will empower you to find truth in a culture inundated with opinions. For more information, check out IamAdamant.com. Until next time.